you have a question about your home? Call Ken the Contractor. I pulled up some carpet in my basement, and on the concrete floor there was linoleum put down. And the linoleum's coming up, but then the the part that's underneath the linoleum where it was glued, how can I get that up? Uh, there are <laughs> products that will re- will release the adhesive, if you will. It's a solvent. In some cases, though, you're probably going to have to take a floor scraper and it'll work a little quicker for you, but it's still going to take a lot of elbow grease. I wish I could tell you there was a real simple solution of just put something down and scrape it up with a shovel or something, but there's not that I know of. Do you have a question about your home inside or out? Call Ken the Contractor. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. If you have a question about your home inside or out, you can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. I'm Jim Britt along with Ken the Contractor. Don't forget, if you're a little shy and don't want to be on the radio with your particular issue or question, just forward us an email. You can send it to the website. That's KenTheContractor.com. Unfortunately, there are many of you across the country dealing with storm-related damage from storms moving in from not only the Gulf Coast, but some of those coming across the country from west to east particularly. And these are issues that we never want to deal with, but when it's our turn, folks, we've got to make some quick decisions. And I know many of you have been working on this for days, and others are just starting to move forward. A few items that we want to keep in mind, not only as we make repairs, but also to be prepared for a time when this can come back to benefit us, some of the repairs and some of the dollars that we're having to fork over right now in this unfortunate time and situation that we may be in around our home. And typically we, we deal with emergency repairs in the almost a knee-jerk reaction because we have shingles that have blown off the roof, we have windows that may be broken, we may have some flood damage in areas, and it's not usually just one or two of us, but it's people in our community that are fighting and scrambling for the same resources, the same contractors, going to the same supply houses and what have you, and dealing with this. So the first thing you've got to do certainly is take care of those items that are most critical, and that's preventing further water damage, looting, vandalism, those items, and be sure things are secured. I want all of you, and everybody today lives with some type of phone uh, that has a camera in it for the most part, and if you don't, most of us have some type of electronic camera available Whatever you do, I want you to take a lot of photographs, and many of you have gone through this already, but if you're suffering damage now that's current or in the future, be sure that you take as many pictures as possible. Insurance does not always cover the things that we think it does around our household, and clearly insurance is not designed to make us whole in the first place, only to assist us when we have some catastrophic issue. So the items I'm going to talk to you about may help you recover a little more cost or protect this reinvestment a little later on. So start off, if you get any type of damage that we're discussing, I want you to take extensive pictures of before, during the repairs, and after the repairs. Also, I do want you to recognize, as I said, that not everything's going to be covered by insurance. For those of you that maintain homeowner's insurance, you may find there's some relief at the end of the year in your taxes if you've had to expense dollars that were not reimbursed by the insurance company in a claim. Check with your tax preparer in your state and dealing with the federal government to see if any of those can help you. Any of those expenses can help you as a financial loss not covered by insurance at year's end. But to do this, you must keep all the receipts. 
and a lot of us are bad about that. We're not talking about just credit card receipts where we charge $185. You need the receipt for the product. So open a file. If you're dealing with any of this damage today, just set aside a file. Put all of your papers in it that relate to your cost. Now's not the time to be assembling that. Once everything's done, you're repaired, you're whole again, that will be the time to deal with that. Also, a few other pointers that I want you to think about as you move forward from your repairs and you're now watertight and you're back safe and sound in your home, put together a, uh, it can be a three-ring binder notebook, but all of the papers for these new products typically come with a manufacturer's warranty. And we're not talking about just something that relates to new home construction or a planned addition, but yes, we're talking about items that you would have to buy, maybe a new refrigerator, could be a new air conditioning system damaged by flood, damaged by lightning, whatever it may be. Wind damage could be shingles. You had to re-roof the entire house because of wind damage. You're going to find that the papers that come with most of these products will include a manufacturer's warranty. Sometimes they're buried in those documents. It may only be a little two-inch square blurb that says you have a warranty for this period of time and who to call and how to process any warranty claims. May not seem important to you today. Hard to replicate this and find the information one, two, three years later if you have a problem. And again, in an emergency situation, we don't often think about this. So put yourself a a notebook together. Gather up all the information as you're moving through repairs. Gather the documents from your contractor. If the damage to your home is such that you've been able to bring a contractor in and they're working feverishly to make you whole again, Get that data from them because you're not going to get it at a later date. As I said, keep all of your receipts. Pull all of those manufacturers' warranty and registration cards because if you're having to buy new appliances, maybe new light fixtures, again, roofing, it could be an air conditioning unit. In many cases, if you don't register the product with the manufacturer and you have a warranty issue with it within the covered period, if you can't produce that, if they don't have it on file, folks, they're not going to honor that warranty. You may be out $2,000, $5,000, $10,000, depending on the nature of the product that you have purchased. These are little things. I'm not suggesting you drop what you're doing in an emergency repair. I'm only suggesting that this doesn't end up in the trash and that you continue to watch out for these items. Maintain all those operations manuals that go with them as well. You're going to find parts list in there. An awful lot of you that call me and send emails clearly are do-it-yourselfers, and hopefully this is the last repair you'll have to make for a long time. You have no other wind or storm damage. And if you need to make repairs as the products age, you're going to have a manufacturer and a parts list to go back on. Also, you want to date many items. Jim, you and I talk about this, whether it's AC filters, light bulbs, other items that have a useful life. I know you started doing that. Mm-hmm. I've been doing it for a long time. And so I would encourage all of you, now's a good time when you're making these repairs to be dating those items. Some of these fluorescent, these uh, CFLs, compact fluorescent bulbs, what was it you were telling me the other day? You put one in, lasted six months, and it was a five-year Something like that. Lamp. Uh, you know, but the, the other point, and we're a little more used to it now than I think we were years ago because of the incredible amount that we keep online, and that is off-site protection of these things. It doesn't do you any good to keep all those receipts and everything else and then have the storm do damage and lose them in your home. In a lot of cases, you've got to take them to some third party to keep them secure, whether it's a box or something along that line that will protect it, or if you're storing them electronically. Yeah, if you're moving away from paper, from all paper, and even paper, if it's destroyed in your home, you don't have a record. So you need to have a safe place where all this is backed up and you can prove your case at the end of the year. The other area where this becomes very important to you is if you sell that home, whether it's a year, two years, five years, it doesn't matter. At some point, all of us will sell the home that we live in, that your basis in that home changes for tax purposes. 
So as you continue to spend money, you put on additions, you make improvements, those items, check with your tax person again. But typically, if you have all the valid receipts, you had a home that you paid $100,000 for, and you've just put $10,000 in additional materials and repairs and those items, you may well find that your basis is now $110,000. And if you sell it for one fifty, all of a sudden your tax burden has been reduced. If you can't prove it years later... It's not going to fly. So that's why these things become important. But as Jim's pointed out here, be sure you've got an off-site backup in some fashion, even if it's a hard copy. Coming up this hour on Ken the Contractor, coming up a half hour from now on our app of the week. You remember the mood rings? I don't know if they're anything similar to the mood cam, but Ken will tell us about that. And also, one of the injuries that occur most often in a home is a basic one. And that is people falling. We're going to talk about different ways to make your home safer and to decrease the possibility of you taking a serious fall. That's all coming up this hour on Ken the Contractor. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Where do you call to report a claim to your insurance company? If you are with the Rockingham Group, you call Harrisonburg, Virginia. That's right. Rockingham is based in Virginia and has been for over 140 years. We have multi-policy, loss-free, and deductible discounts. We are nearby, and our local agents make buying insurance practically pain-free. You can find us online at rockinghamgroup.com, in the phone book, or right down the road. Come home to Rockingham for really good insurance. Do you need more room in your home or office? Looking for temporary or long-term storage? Space that must be climate-controlled, secure, clean, available seven days a week? Then MiniStorage is for you. MiniStorage offers garage and climate-controlled space with security cameras and on-site management. Take it from a satisfied customer, Ken Patterson. MiniStorage is where you want to go. Visit their website at MiniStorage.com for a virtual tour. That's MiniStorage.com on South Main Street, Harrisonburg. Is your business planning an expansion, renovation, or new construction project? Call the professionals at Patterson Consulting, LLC. As construction consultants, we bring every aspect of your project together. Deal with lenders, government agencies, architects, engineers, and contractors. With over 40 years' experience, Patterson Consulting, LLC provides the knowledge, service, and dedication to help deliver your project on time, on budget, and with the quality you expect. Visit us on the web at PattersonConsultingLLC.com. Energy-saving home improvements could mean year-round savings for you. A home equity line of credit from Stellar One Bank gives you ready access to cash at historically low rates, and you can have many reasons to use it in the months ahead. Fix up, build on, refresh, update. Use your Stellar One Bank home equity line of credit however you wish. Call, click, or stop by StellarOne.com. Stellar One Bank. Excellence, partnership, service. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. Welcome back. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. He's here to answer the questions that are important to you, today's homeowner, at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Mary has a question. She's got a problem with the garage floor. As She joins us right now. Hi, Mary. You're on the air with Ken the Contractor. Hi, Hi uh, Ken. How are you today? Great. I appreciate your call. I got a little background on your issue, oh, and good. and you've got a problem, haven't you? Yes, I do. Well, let's see what we can help. You want to go ahead and restate the basics for us uh, for okay. our listeners. Okay, I'll try to be real brief for you. Uh, anyway, uh, we were working on a garage about three or four weeks ago, and uh, it's an old garage built in 49, and we were giving it a good cleaning, and we have 
the floor on the garage is terrible, you know. It's an old garage, and where the where the car is parked, it has these holes in it and pitted yeah. out. So just some of the winter chemicals have caused the surface That's to deteriorate and spalled, okay? Uh, okay. This is what happened. Uh, we were just about to finish up, and my husband was using this uh, a vacuum sweeper, which is a garage one, and he was vacuuming uh, up this stuff, and he had a couple bo- uh, five-gallon buckets of sealer uh, right in the middle on our new indoor-outdoor carpet, which we bought last summer, because we keep uh, a carpet on half of the garage to make it look a little better. And anyway, what happened, he upset him that he didn't have the lids on tight. I mean, they weren't even fastened. I bet he, he can't even look at you today. In the carpet. And I ran and got, I didn't run because I can't run. But anyway, I went down the basement and got a bunch of towels, and he got what he had out in the garage. And he started mopping up, and I grabbed my stool, and I sat down, and I started mopping up, and we mopped. You know, with towels and cloths up and up. And we mopped again and again and again. But, you know, you with, never get that out. And, say, and that, that's really where your biggest issue comes in, I think, is you're not able to get all of this residue out because it's penetrating that concrete, even old concrete. And I want to clarify for our listeners, the sealer you're talking about, I believe, is a sealer that you're putting on? You were using on exposed aggregate concrete, I, correct? Right on this pebble, right. you know, pebbly stone right. driveway. Right, that's, that's an exposed aggregate. So that is typically uh, something that sets up pretty hard. It's going to have a high volume of VOCs, which means it's going to produce a lot of off-gassing. And I know from some background on this that that's part of your issue: is how do you get rid of the fumes and how do you get this off that concrete floor? And so what what I want to tell you to do is, first off, just in the interest of time, first you need to remove, if you haven't, that indoor-outdoor carpet. Now, I realize you said that it's new, but if you have all this material in it, unfortunately, it's got to go because there's no way that I know of, and I don't think anybody else does, to get rid of the type of chemical, the sealer that has been spilt on that. So you're going to have to redo, replace that indoor-outdoor carpet And then as far as the concrete itself goes, there are products on the market, and I'm going to give you one. If you can't jot it down, I'll post this to my website, kenthecontractor.com, that's produced by WR Meadows. It's called Seal Tight, and there are other brands out there. This is a commercial product that I have used that will not only – it penetrates concrete. It's used to strip a sealer from concrete and prepare it to put a coating on it or to paint or stain the concrete as well. So I will. It's a an it's called Ultrite degreaser. It removes grease and other residue and will actually strip this type of sealer from the floor. It is safe for concrete use. It is also environmentally safe. Again, I'll post this information to the site. But you're going to have to use a commercial product like that to pull it out of the concrete to get rid of those fumes and the odors that's creating headaches for you and others. And also, you know, you you want to leave that garage door, those windows open as long as possible to help this dissipate. So I hope that's helpful to you. Mary, I'm going to ask you to hold on the line right there. Uh, let's sneak in a quick email before the bottom of the hour here. All right. We're going to deal with uh, Janice. And uh, Janice writes to us from Hopewell. says, we discovered termites in the mulch around our house. Is it possible to treat the mulch for termites without harming the flower beds? 
Well, Janice, it's a great question you asked because we use so many pesticides to treat all kinds of things around our home today. It is wise for us to ask the question, is this safe, not only for our plants but for our pets and for us? And I will tell you that the termite chemicals that I'm familiar with, and I'm not uh, one that treats this on a regular basis. I rely on experts in the field, but they are safe for our plants, for our, pl- our flowers, for our trees, for our pets, and for us, as long as we are not drinking it. So it is a safe termite treatment to be applied around the exterior. And if your home is being retreated or just a maintenance to prevent termite infestation in your home, this is typically where the companies are spraying, usually within adjacent to and within five feet of the home all the way around the perimeter. Now, there are products that are more harsh, those that are designed largely by, by and for professional use, but the typical homeowner products, if you're doing this yourself, you will find to be safe. But I always caution you, because there's so many products out there, read the labels, read the fine print, read the data sheets. I do a lot of that. I'm teased for that occasionally, but sometimes the devil's in the details. So I want you to read that, and you'll find that you'll be okay with that. All right. Don't forget, if you do want to forward a question to Ken, you can through our website. There's too many Kens there. Go to KenTheContractor.com and forward us your emails. Ken answers all the emails that we receive for the show and also brings some of the more interesting ones back here to the radio. And this one you'll find is a little unusual. This one comes to us from James from Boise, Idaho. We appreciate you listening and writing to us. said, I live several miles out of the city on a farm. I bought the farm about five years ago. said, the old well is giving me problems and I'm having a new one drilled. Now, this is where I think the key to his question comes in. He says, the location is about 400 feet from the house. For some of us, that's a great distance, but for others, it's not. He said, I've checked the size water line entering the house, and it's 5 eighths inch diameter. I was planning on running the same size line from the new well, but a friend tells me the line needs to be larger in diameter. Can you confirm if he is correct, or did I just move ahead with my plan? James, you may not like this, but I'm going to side with your friend, especially when you have a run the distance of 400 feet. Even if this were shorter, only 100 feet, you typically want to increase the size of the water supply line from your water source, even if it's a domestic water meter from a city or town, or in your case from a well or your your pressure tank. The reason we want to do this, and you're saying, well, I can't get any more volume through a 5 eighths line, that's all I've got coming in the house, is that large distance from the well to the house, you're going to end up seeing both a pressure reduction loss and there's friction as water moves through that line. So you're going to see some pressure reduction and some flow reduction. By increasing the line, running from the pump or the pressure tank in the well back into the house, and in your case, you may have to go to an inch or an inch and a quarter because it's such a long run, you're going to find that by the time that water hits your house, that now you're receiving the water pressure and volume that you're used to. And a lot of us don't think about there being friction or something holding water back within a pipe. But your friend is telling you accurately, and if you have any real concerns or reservations about it, consult a local mechanical engineer in your area, and they can tell you this real quickly. For that matter, even the people that supply wells and pumps in your area are going to have the charts to help you out with that. We appreciate your listening, James. James, thank you. Don't forget, if you've got a question for Ken Patterson, Ken the Contractor, there are a couple different ways that you can forward your questions to Ken. You can give us a call and reach us anytime at 800-614-2975, or as James did, just send us an email to the website. That's Ken. KenTheContractor.com. A house is what you build. A home is what you make it. You can friend us on Facebook at Ken the Contractor, and also follow us on Twitter 
at Ken Answers. Again, our number, 800-614-2975. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Welcome back to Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. He's here to answer your questions and also to help give you information that you need to deal with the issues that are important to today's homeowner. You can be part of our program by calling 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Or email your questions to Ken the Contractor. One of the topics we deal with a lot in this program is universal living. Becomes It becomes a bigger and bigger issue for all of us as basically we all get older. And you're going to deal with a topic today, Ken, that I think statistically you can go out and see it. And if you talk with folks in the insurance industry, one of the accidents that cause the most problems for folks each and every year are simple falls in their own home. Trip and fall hazards within our home are huge nationwide. And again, the statistical data is readily available even in your own community per hospital. You'll find how many of us are dealing with this. And I was surprised as I looked at some of the statistical data that this is not necessarily an age-related item. I'm seeing large numbers of folks that have issues in terms of being in the hospital or needing medical treatment that are in their 20s, their 30s, their 40s. So much, many of us will think that this is something about folks that are uh, well up into the years and unable to walk as well perhaps as you might if you're 16 or 18 years old. But that just is not true. There is a higher percentage, but it affects all of us. So when we think about our home, not only maintenance, but we're thinking especially about remodeling, I want to talk to you about universal living today, meaning Think a little bit about throw rugs and runners. Those are some of the biggest single causes and floor mats, entry mats in our homes, both inside and out, that are creating these. And in many cases, it's only because they're not installed properly. We may have a throw rug down that's over a hardwood floor, but we don't have a non-slip back on it. So this rug, when you step on it, has a tendency to slip out from under your feet. So when we deal with universal living, we're talking about making it accessible to everybody. We're talking about making it safer for us. We also want to think about the maintenance side of it. So if you have throw rugs, you happen to have carpet runners, be sure that they're stable. If they're curled up, if they're cupped, if they're warped, if they have issues with them, get rid of them. And if you're thinking about putting new products in, you may want to think about moving away from some of the items. And we're seeing trends in this nationwide that get you away from the carpets and the throw rugs and what have you and move into solid surface products. Again, hardwoods become quite popular in all the alternatives when we look at the laminates that are in the marketplace, the synthetic flooring, and the solid surface tiles, and as well as the quarry the ceramic tiles, and others that are out there. Even some of the the tiles that many of us are familiar with is referred to as VCT, a vinyl composition tile, the 12 by 12 squares, sheet vinyl, and others. They're not only easy to clean, they're less likely to be soiled, and they're going to be safer in most cases around our home. The other thing that you're doing there that kind of combines two of our usual segments, universal living and green building, most of those products I just mentioned all qualify or most will qualify for a green building component. Our number is 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. And let's go back to the phones. It is Lola right now, and she's got to, got to fix a hole in the roof. Lola, hi. You're on the air with Ken the Contractor. How are you all doing? Just fine, Lola. What can we help you with around your house today? We have a carport that a big limb blew down and went through the roof. That's not good. No, that's not good. So... We have to get the limb out yet and patch it. What kind of a sealer or what sealer do you recommend that would be good to seal this patch with? The the limb actually penetrated the plywood or the roof structure and is showing on the bottom side of the carport, correct? 
correct. Okay, and this is a shingle roof or a metal roof? No, it's one of the outside uh, metal carports. Oh, okay. That you see. All right. Uh, in that case, it's all metal roof. Uh, if the hole is of, of substantial size, and it sounds like it probably is, uh, the best way to do this, long-term to have it perform, is end up with a piece of sheet metal replacing or going over the hole. Now, you don't need to replace the whole roof, but let's assume you've got a hole that's one foot square or circle in, in diameter. I'm just going to give you an example. Uh, you may take a piece of sheet metal that will cover that opening that may be two feet in diameter, uh, screw that in place, and then also use a roof mastic underneath that to be sure that he's properly sealed that hole. But that will give you good long-term use out of the roof, and you don't have to go buy a whole new roof panel. Yes, what did you say, a roof that you put underneath? What was the No, name? it would actually be a metal roof sheet. Metal could, roof sheet. Uh-huh. And you can buy uh, small sheets at many of the hardware stores, and there will be some specialty stores in our listing area that will handle that for you. All right. But you don't need to replace the whole sheet if, if it hasn't been damaged substantially and you simply need to repair this uh, 6, 8, 10, 12-inch hole that you have in it. All right. All right. Well, thank you. Good luck to you with that. Thanks for calling. Okay, bye. Bye, bye. Thank you, Lola. And don't forget, you can reach Ken Patterson, Ken the Contractor, anytime at 800-614-2975, or emails. Go to our website, kenthecontractor.com. And that's where this one comes to us from, from Sarah in Asheville, North Carolina. It says, my husband and I are remodeling our kitchen ourselves. We had a cabinet designer lay out our appliances and do cabinet plans. Now, where we want the gas range is in an island in the middle of the kitchen. We like the large open look of the space and do not want to install an overhead hood. Hence the problem. That's what I'm reading into this. said, I've seen what is called a downdraft exhaust. Can you give me a better understanding of the system and how it works? Does it do a good job of venting, and should I consider this application? Well, Sarah, I think in your case, from the way you describe your layout here, that's going to be the perfect application for you. Downdraft hoods work simply by pulling the fumes from from the stove down through the floor and discharge it out under the floor to the outside. Most of us are very familiar with the overhead hood. That is so common all over the country. Downdrafts are not very common. They're not inexpensive, but they do a fine job. Many of the ranges that are available have a built-in downdraft. There are also separate downdraft hoods that build into your cabinet work that's adjacent to may occur your range and it may apply may be installed on both sides or the rear but i want you to investigate this with some of your local suppliers and installers they need to understand a little more about your kitchen size the range size whether you're cooking with gas and you've said that here or electric and also the distance that they have to run to discharge this to the exterior but i could highly recommend a downdraft unit for you sarah i think that'll take care of your needs sounds pretty cool yeah, it really is. I've even installed them where they're like periscopes in a submarine. You push a button, and they actually pop up above the top, get through with it, push a button, it retracts and goes back down. These are some of the gadgets we like to play with in our Ooh, kitchen. That sounds really cool. Sounds really now cool. Now you want one. I do. I like one. Well, you know, and, and the, the other element that they bring up in their remodeling are islands, which are becoming more and more popular for a lot of folks who used to have the formal dining area and the family dining area. Oh, well, now, because of the way we live our lives, you don't use that informal dining area that much, and you need the countertop space. And I know my wife does a lot of cooking and baking 
and the one thing that we always seem to be searching for is countertops. And I think that's true in most kitchens. We've seen changes over the years, but for those especially that are into cooking, I'll say semi-professional, really get into cooking and baking, they're always looking for countertop space. And it sounds like this particular couple also likes that open feel. We're seeing trends in that. We're getting rid of walls and barriers. We're going back to that open space. So I really encourage them to look at the downdraft unit. They work very well. They're not common, and many people don't know anything about them at all. Yeah, I'm, to be honest with you, I, and the other one that I know people are putting in their kitchens, uh, because it's so popular now that no matter where you're listening to us, 12 months a year, you now cook out what used to be the barbecue. And I know a lot of folks are bringing charbroilers and stuff into their home to be able to do that when you've got inclement weather. Well, manufacturers for a long time have made units that really allow you to, to broil and to do outdoor grilling inside, but now we're seeing those being enhanced and we're seeing more manufacturers add variety to the product line that they have. Do you have a question for Ken the Contractor? Reach him at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Along with Ken Patterson, Ken the Contractor, I'm Jim Britt. Do you have a question about your roof? How about your deck or maybe some windows or plumbing issues? Ken Patterson is here to answer those questions for you. He is Ken the Contractor. You can always reach him at 800-614-2975. Let's go to the phones, and it's Billy who joins us right now. Hi, Billy. You're on the air with Ken the Contractor. Hi. Good morning, and thank you for taking my call. Sure. Glad you can uh, listen in and give us a call. How can we help you today? Okay. You were talking about throw rugs and so forth, and this is an issue that we have been discussing, and we do have nice hardwood floors, and I try to keep them covered with things that you're not supposed to be covering them with. However, what do you put under, like, love seats or rocking chairs to keep them from scratching the hardwood floor or moving when somebody sits down on them? Okay, well, items that there's several things in the marketplace that are good for use on hardwood because one, they do not allow the furniture to create that dimple or have that impact that you're concerned with. It also will not allow it to scratch. And furthermore, it doesn't have a chemical reaction with the urethane that's typically on most hardwood floors. And there are a few out there that I've seen that will, will allow some yellowing or some discoloration and you certainly don't want to get into that. But you will find at most of your hardware stores and most, even the big box stores today, carry a huge variety of these. The heavier items, especially if it's something you do want to move occasionally, you may want a device. It's a rubber uh, product that will tend to have a almost a fabric light on the back side of it, but it is a non-slip product in terms of being easy to move. It will allow you, if you move furniture around, to do so without scuffing the floor. And I say that for those that are looking for something along those lines. You want something that is semi-permanent. You put it there, it stays there, it sounds like, until you pick the furniture up and move it. Yes. And most of those are going to have a non-slip surface on the bottom. They're going to tend to be rubber in nature. You don't want plastic. Plastic is going to continuously move over that, and there are plastic devices for this. But stay away from the plastic. You're looking for something that has a rubber piece on the bottom, and it is not smooth either. You will read in the information, and but read all of the print that's there, because some will say uh, that it's it's uh, oh non-slip. But you need to read it and say, well, it's non-slip in terms of being readily available to just shove it around. It doesn't mean that it won't move when you kind of flop down on your couch and it slides back behind you. Uh-huh. But those are the best ones that I have found in the marketplace. Uh, there are so many, though, that it can be 
difficult for you to decipher. You're just going to have to spend a little bit of time in your store reading and seeing what suits your need. But it, you have hardwood floor. You have a beautiful, expensive floor product that many people today are toying with. How do I come up with the money to do this? And then I hear you <laughs> saying I'm covering it up like a lot of us do with throw rugs and runners and so forth. Uh, and here you have this beauty that there are people out there saying, if only I had a few more dollars, I could put mm-hmm. a nice hardwood floor in. Yes, yes. Okay, well, thank you, and I'll do some shopping. Yeah, do a little shopping, but don't be fooled by what you read in the big print. Read the fine print sometimes on these and be sure you know how they work. Billy, thank you. We do appreciate your call. Again, if you have a question for Ken, our number is 800-614-2975. The app of the week deals with something called a mood cab. Now, I remember as a kid growing up, we had mood rings. Yeah, that's aging both of us to tell people we remember mood rings. Is that any way related to the mood cam? Well, the only thing common about it, I think, is the first word, the mood. Now, GE has produced an app that's called the GE Mood Cam. And you're going to like a few of these other words that I bring in here. What this does is it changes the mood of a photograph. And you're saying, I don't want to change the mood of a photograph, but listen to this. With the GE Mood Cam, you take a picture of a room. It can be your living room, your bedroom, your dining room. It doesn't really matter. You take a picture of the room, and then you watch how that room image changes as you change different type of lighting. You're going to be using the GE Moodometer. How about mm. that one, Jim? The GE Moodometer. <laughs> now, what this does is it gives you a chance to see your room under different lighting conditions. And in most cases, this is just changing the lamp or the bulb, as we typically call that. And here are some of the ranges that you will experience on the GE Moodometer. It changes that room look from cozy to creative, motivated, uh, to peaceful, dramatic, intimate. So you've got all of those opportunities just based on the type of lamps or bulbs that you have in your existing lighting in the room. This is one of those fun items. Play with it a little bit. You might find that you have a whole new feel and look in that room just by changing the bulbs. That's the GE Mood Cam, and you'll find more about it at KenTheContractor.com. Is there anything on it, a setting that will pick up all the piles of dirty clothes in my daughter's room? Uh, wouldn't that be called the black light? See, all that does is reveal white and covers all the dirt. I don't know. I haven't seen that in here. Okay. Uh, let's go back to our emails. This one comes to us from Jacksonville, Florida, and it's Wallace who forwarded this question to Kevin. Right. Wallace has a code issue, and fortunately, I hold a Class A license in Florida and have done a lot of buildings. So I'm up to speed on this one, Wallace. I'm not in every state in the country, but he says, I'm building a three-car detached garage in my home outside of Jacksonville. I have plans and a permit, so all is legal. Says the building inspector passed my footing inspection but reminded me of tie downs for the walls and trusses and then told me about a special roof nail pattern. Are they really this specific that I must install nails exactly where they specify and then have it inspected? I have lived in several other states and built much of my own home and workshops. I've never heard of this. Goes on to say, I'm a bit frustrated. Any info would be appreciated. Wallace, not just for your benefit, but for all the others, and not just those of you in Florida, but around the country, there are uniform building codes that impact most of us nationwide. Certain conditions exist, whether it's in California or Florida or other regions that are unique, and these states have opted to either modify that code or write their own. In the case of Florida, Wallace, after Hurricane Andrew in the early 90s, Florida opted out of the Southern Standard Building Code and wrote their own building code, which is quite rigid when it comes to wind load and to uplift and other items. 
to help preserve and protect property. They did this in conjunction with the insurance industry because of the devastation that Hurricane Andrew caused in Homestead in South Florida. So what the inspector is telling you is absolutely a fact. It is in the Florida Statewide Building Code. You do have to establish or meet a certain nail pattern on the plywood or the OSB that's going on your roof, and you must have it inspected before you put felt or vapor barrier on top of that. And again, it seems like one more step, uh, one more opportunity for government to intrude in your life, but what they're trying to do is to preserve your investment and to keep others safe from the flying debris that occurs when all of these structures break down. So I wish I had better news for you, but really, it's not all bad. It's going to help you. It may help you obtain or acquire insurance on this new structure at a little lesser rate because it's built to some new standards. And in many areas of Florida, these wind codes are now designed to sustain sustain 130-mile-an-hour wind. That's pretty substantial. All right. And don't forget, if you do have an email question for Ken, forward it to our website, kenthecontractor.com. All of the questions get answered by Ken and also our mailbag editor, Aaron Yoder. The answers are posted on the website. And then Ken goes through and pulls some of the different ones to bring to the radio each week. We do want to remind you that if you've missed a uh, past program here on Ken the Contractor, go to our website and you can listen to the podcasts of those shows and also you can go through and take a look you'll find many of the questions and issues that ken deals with on the program index so you can click right on if you do have a question about ventilation or masonry or leaks or energy efficiency it's all right there on the web on our website online at kenthecontractor.com you can always reach ken at 800-614-2975 that's 800-614-2975 That'll wrap up this hour of Ken the Contractor. If you have a question about your home inside or out, you can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975 or go to the website, kenthecontractor.com. For Ken Patterson, I'm Jim Britton. Thanks for joining us this week. Right here, you've been listening to Ken the Contractor.